All right, so good to be together this morning. Some time ago, a Christian pollster named George Barna asked uh, regular attenders of Christian churches across the country, what is worship? Sadly, a majority, two-thirds, said they didn't know. Uh, Half admitted they hadn't experienced the presence of God in the past year. Yet, worship is one of the most important things we do, isn't it? I mean, many of you are uh, either watching online this morning for worship, or you've come here to Hope Community Church this morning for worship. Worship matters. Worship is a big thing that we do as believers in Jesus. And today we're asking the question, what is worship? Why do we worship? Could you answer that question? In order to help you out, we've begun a new series here at Hope Community Church for the month of January on worship called Worthy. Because when we understand that God is worthy and when we understand what worship is all about, it changes everything. One of the best places we can go in the Bible and learn about worship is the book of Psalms. I love the Psalms. What are the Psalms? The Psalms are a collection of 150 poems, songs, and, uh, and praises that have been used by God's people in worship down through the ages. So in the Old Testament, when God's people, the people of Israel, would gather for worship in the temple, they would sing the Psalms. When, uh, likewise, Jesus also sang the Psalms, In his last words on the cross, if you've ever noticed, he praised the Psalms. The very first Christians, when they began to meet together, when they were looking at each other saying, what songs can we sing? They didn't have Bethel. They didn't have Hillsong. They sang the Psalms. Where do we find the Psalms? You can look in the very center of your Bible. You'll find the book of Psalms. And I don't think it's any accident that God put at the heart of our scriptures a book on worship. We open up the Psalms, they hum with the pitch of worship, and all are invited to sing. Let me ask a quick, quick question here. Does anybody like to sing? Anyone? You have songs in your head, sing in the car? Yes, love to sing. Uh, and and uh, I've enjoyed singing throughout my life. Uh, in high school, I was in the choir. That was fun. Uh, we, uh, we had musicals in our high school, so I did some musicals, Camelot, those kinds of things, and it was fun. The more I began to sing with others, I found a lot of my friends also sang too. So me and a bunch of my guy friends decided to form a little boys singing group, kind of sing a cappella. Um, I know, it was like kind of nerdy, but we did it. Um, had a bunch of guys, we sang. Uh, There was no piano, no instruments, just our voices. Uh, Think boy band without the band. And we were, we we really got into it. Um, We would, we would sing in choir competitions uh, or uh, my favorite, we, we had some connections with local churches. So we went to different local churches and we would sing this uh, acapella version of Amazing Grace. It was really fun. But we would really sing anywhere. We'd sing outside. Uh, we sang in the boys' bathroom probably too many times than I care to admit. Uh, we would, actually, we, if we were all at McDonald's, we would just stand up and sing right at McDonald's, kind of like improv everywhere before there was improv everywhere. Uh, we sang so much, 
that our choir teacher decided we needed something to help us out, something to help us to start off our songs. Because, you know, if you start off on the wrong pitch, nobody wants to hear you sing, even at McDonald's, maybe especially at McDonald's, I don't know. So she hands me this, this red box. Let me see if I got it here. Oh, yeah. Um, said the master key, chromatic pitch instrument. And it's, it's pretty super cool. Um, it, it actually helps you find your first pitch. Uh, it, it's not a round harmonica. It's, it's a pitch pipe. But you blow into it, and it gives you your pitch, and you're ready to sing. So, yeah, should we try it? Let's see if we can do this. This is an E. I don't, what's a good pitch to start on? Is E okay? Yeah, we got it. Great job. Good job, church. Well, Psalm 96 is like this pitch pipe. And so many times in my life, this pitch pipe has summoned, summoned us to sing. And that's what Psalm 96 does. It summons us to sing. It sets the pitch for our worship by helping us understand not only what worship is, but why we do it. Our theme verse for today and throughout the series will be Psalm 96.4. Love this. Uh, it says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Amen. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. So as we come to Psalm 96, together we ask the question, what is worship? You'll see that worship is two things based on Psalm 96 and especially this verse. Worship is our response to the greatness of God whereby we declare his worth. Worship is, one, our response to the greatness of God. Number two, whereby we declare his worth. Let's see if you can pick that up as we look at Psalm 96. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Psalm 96. We'll be walking through this psalm. This is what it says, beginning in verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. I think we actually sang that this morning. So, Thank you, Max. Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to be here to worship you. God, I thank you for this church family. And I thank, thank you for how we're growing in our faith this year. We started off uh, last week kicking off the new year, consecrating our lives to you. And we want to continue that this morning and giving our hearts more fully 
and abundantly to living for your glory and declaring your praise. I just ask that you would transform our hearts as we look at your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's begin to define worship. What is worship? Number one, worship is our response to the greatness of God. It's the greatness of God that inspires our heart to worship. We saw that in Psalm 96.4. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. So why do we worship? According to this verse, what does it say? It's his greatness. It's who he is. That's why we worship God. Because of how awesome and glorious he is. In a little pamphlet called Worship, the Missing Jewel, A.W. Tozer once wrote, Worship rises or falls with our concept of God. Just think about that for a second. Worship rises or falls with our concept of God. Do you see the principle here? It's our concept of God. When we gather for worship, the primary factor elevating our worship isn't the band or the music or the songs, although all those things matter, but the real question is, how great is our God? And big worship follows from a big vision of God. Conversely, some people might not worship God at all because they just don't see the reality of who he is. I think Tozer's right, that our worship rises and falls with our concept of God. And Tozer will go on to say in this little pamphlet that one of the big problems in the church today is that we just don't see God for as great as he is. It's kind of like the, if I can give just a, an illustration or example, it's kind of like the moon. Like most nights, don't really notice the moon, maybe you do. But every once in a while, a full moon rises. It's just a little bit closer to the earth in its orbit. They call this magnified moon, which could be up to 30% brighter and 14% larger, a supermoon. You guys ever heard of that? The supermoon's coming out, right? And sometimes you really notice it. And it's incredible because when you get a great moon like that, you see the response. People pull out their cameras. They're pulling over, pointing in the sky, making declarations. Wow, look at that moon. It's a tiny illustration of what I'm trying to say today when we behold our God, the response is worship. Worship is our response to the greatness of God. It's one of the reasons why I love the Psalms. Because the Psalms inspire our worship of God by magnifying our vision of God. And if you want to grow as a worshiper this year, um, maybe in addition to this series, one of the best things you can do is just kick off this new year reading one or two Psalms a day. Maybe you read a psalm in the morning. Maybe you read a psalm at night before you go to bed. See how your heart for worship grows. And the psalms are powerful that way. But let's look at Psalm 96 and ask that question, how great is our God? If worship is a response to the greatness of God. How great, how awesome is our God? few things we see in this passage. Number one, God's salvation is great. Verse one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. 
Proclaim his salvation, there it is, day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. The psalm begins with an invitation to sing. Why do we sing in church? Well, the Bible invites us to sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. We'll talk more about that. Now, normally, the psalms would have been sung as part of the nation of Israel's worship. The, the psalms are the hymn book for the Jewish people. But notice here, it's not this, there's a new song that's arisen in this passage. Do you see that? And it's not just for the Jewish people, it's for everyone. It's for the nations. It's a new song of salvation for all the world to sing. That's pretty incredible. Something has happened. Or this, this psalm is looking ahead towards a, a greater salvation that will come where not just the Jewish people, but the entire earth joins in a new song of praise to God. And there is no greater salvation that we could sing about than the salvation that we found in Jesus Christ. He is Israel's Messiah and the world's true Lord. And Jesus came and he gave his life on a cross. He rose from the dead, forgiving sin, changing lives, right? bringing us into a new relationship with God. Um, the, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, how can I be saved? The Bible says, believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our song to sing. He is the reason we sing. It's why a uh, modern uh, Christian band called Delirious, I don't know if any of you guys know Delirious, they sing this song where they, they sing, I could sing unending songs of how he saved my soul. It's why the saints in heaven in Revelation chapter 7 shout out with songs singing, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. That's Jesus. We sing because of the greatness of Jesus and the salvation we found in him. We got a reason to sing because of how great God is. God's salvation is great. Number two, God as creator is great. This is verse four and five. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. God is our creator, and as creator, he's pretty awesome. Look around, look at the creation. What an amazing creator we have, creative God we have. Uh, you know, we ask the question, where did this incredible universe come from? How did the miracle of life begin? Modern science tells us that our universe had a beginning. And if our universe had a beginning, wouldn't that point to the reality that there's also a beginner? The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist says. Look at the mountains or the, the raging ocean or the stars in the sky. Even, even the air we breathe right, was created by God. He's the reason we exist. Every breath is a gift from him. I meet a lot of people and they'll say, oh yeah, I believe in God. But they don't worship him. You guys ever met anybody like that? Oh yeah, I believe in God. But notice the psalmist mentions the nations. It, says the, it, it speaks of the gods of the nations. Even the ancient peoples had the sense that if there was a God, he was to be worshipped. Now they failed, they fall short, they worship idols. 
But today we have, we can open up the Bible and we can encounter the one true God who has spoken and acted as recorded in the scriptures and revealed in Jesus Christ. How can we not worship him? He's a great God. If there is a God, he's worthy of our worship and our praise. Number three, God's majesty is great. Verse six says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. These verses describe for us the majesty of God. The majesty of God is, is the godness of God. The majesty of God is the awesomeness of God. When you read this passage, you, you get a sense that the majestic presence of God is just breathtaking. The earth trembles before him. Glory surrounds him. It says, uh, splendor, the splendor of his holiness, and beauties in his sanctuary. <sighs> Just to be in his presence, right? Another great reason to worship God. Last one, God's coming is great. And in these last worship words, it actually repeats the word, words, he comes, he comes. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Or um, it's also the sense of, uh, in, in the Old Testament, judges were rulers. So yes, God will judge the earth. But it's also saying he will rule, he will reign with equity. That's the goodness of God's reign. Now we live in a time where there's a lot of turbulence. Um, nationally, politically, all around us. Many of us here today are experiencing uh, transitions in life. And, and there's just... A lot of things that are going on, both in our homes and in our families and all around us. What I love about this psalm is that it tells us in the midst of all of the crazy, it says, the Lord reigns. Isn't that beautiful? No matter what's going on in our world today, the Lord reigns. It's his world. He's changing the world. Let that be firmly established today. What God intends for our universe will be accomplished. When Jesus came the very first time, he brought his kingdom. He accomplished salvation. He is changing lives. And he is changing the world. That fact is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Now, just to give you some encouraging news today, Fender Guitars recently reported, uh, you can go to the next one, one out of three new guitars are purchased for worship music. How about that? Friends, this is just the beginning. Because there is a song of worship that will be sung all across the universe. It will be established. It's coming. It's going to happen. Because Jesus is coming back. He said it. He's returning to earth, and he will reign on the earth. It will be, we sang about it, it will be a resurrection day. Believers who've died in Christ will rise we will be ruled with equity. Imagine that. And even creation itself will be transformed to sing the praises of the creator 
it'll all be for the praise of Jesus. From the river to the ends of the earth, he will be glorified. Look at the following verses. I love this. Creation itself gets to join in the song. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes. He's a great God. He's, he's doing incredible things in the universe today. He's at work. And the reason we worship God, I put it up, worship is our response to the greatness of God. I'll say it this way. Worship doesn't start with our singing. It starts with our seeing. Behold your God. When we see the greatness of God, it fuels our worship, gives us a reason to sing. And I want to invite you to do that in your own life. Behold the beauty and majesty of our God. It inspires our song. But could we get more specific about what it means to worship and why we worship and this comes to our second and final point. Worship is our response to the greatness of God. Look at this. Whereby we declare his worth. Worship is a declaration of God's worth. Have any of you ever embarked on something only to finish it and look back and kind of say, worth it? I don't know. I was thinking just of maybe some examples. Maybe you uh, set out to remodel a bathroom. And it was way more work than you ever expected. But when you got done and you finished the project and you look back at that beautiful new bathroom, you said in your heart, worth it. Maybe we have some students here, or it's academics, and you're working hard in school to finish the paper or the project or to get the scholarship or to graduate or whatever it is. When it's all said and done, I'm promising you, you'll look back and your heart will say, worth it. Or maybe the thing for you today that's you're going to look back and say, worth it, is a sacrifice you're making for somebody you love, for your children. Now, I remember when Angie and I were dating, and uh, we had dated a while, and I, I wanted to propose to her, but I needed to buy the ring. I'd save up, get the ring. And uh, that was not an easy thing for me to do. After all, I was just 20 years old, working at a grocery store, Oh, making $7 an hour or something like that. It's like, wow, that's, a, that's an expensive ring. I saved and saved, and then the day came where I was able to take that ring, get down on one knee, open the box, and say to my future bride, worth it. Yeah. So just realize, anytime we worship God, we're declaring his worth. We're saying to God, worth it. He's worth it. We declare his worth. What is worship? This is interesting. The word worship comes from an old English word, worthship. And it literally means to give worth to something. When we worship, we ascribe worth to God. We ascribe value to God. Psalm 96.4 says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. That word most is an 
intensifying adjective. It means heighten your praise, raise your praise, elevate your praise, greaten your praise for the glory that God deserves. He's most worthy of praise. We get the idea. It's repeated again a few verses later. Psalm 96.8 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. And we see how in both of these verses, worship is seeing what God is worth and it's giving God what He's worth. It's saying to God, worth it. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. What is worship according to Psalm 96? Worship is our response to the greatness of God whereby we declare His worth. And that's what we get to do. So how do we do this? How do we worship? And we could talk about so many different ways that we worship God. Worship is a lifestyle. I can worship Him in my work. I can, uh, I can sing. I can praise His name. I can, uh, I can bow before Him. There's uh, so many different ways we can dance. We have our, our, uh, our hearts of grace, right? Worship in dance. There's so many amazing ways to worship God. But I just want to focus on three examples from Psalm 96. Three ways to declare God's worth. Number one, singing declares his worth. Singing declares his worth. You heard that in verse one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. It repeats the word sing three times. You think it's inviting us just to sing a little bit to the Lord? But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I ask these random questions like, why do we come to church and sing? Couldn't we just talk about God? Couldn't we just think about God? Why do we have to sing? I don't know. Why did Journey sing, Don't Stop Believing? I don't know. Uh, why, did, uh, why did Taylor Swift sing, We're Never, Ever, Ever Getting Back Together? Why did the Beatles sing, I want to hold your hand? Can't you just say, oh, I'd like to hold your hand. Why do you sing it? Singing raises it. It elevates it. There's a power in song. There's a power in singing. And in, in worship, as we sing, we get with our own voices to declare the glory and worth of God. He's worth it. He's worth our song. Even if you're not a great singer, he's worth it. He's worth our song. Number two. I like this. Telling others about Jesus declares his worth. When you tell others about Jesus, it declares his worth. Worship evangelizes, if I can say it that way. Worship evangelizes. A heart of worship declares God's worth, not just in the walls of the church, but every day of the week, I'm declaring his worth. I'm telling others how amazing Jesus is. You see that in Psalm 96 where it says, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. There we go. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. Last time I checked, all peoples includes our classmates, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members. Where it says, proclaim his salvation, that's just another way of saying evangelize. Tell people about Jesus every single day. It's another way throughout the week we get to declare the glory and worth of Jesus Christ. Last one. Coming into his courts declares his worth. This is verse 8, where it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. 
What in the Old Testament are the courts? The courts. Well, the, the courts here refers to the open space around the, t- the temple or the tabernacle. And this is the space where uh, all the people of Israel would come and they would gather and they would uh, have uh, celebrations of public worship all together. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 84 speaks of the joy of coming into God's courts, saying, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the church than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Right? Come into his courts. You also remember in Acts chapter 5, when the very first Christians started to come together for worship, do you remember where they met in Acts chapter 5? In the temple courts. Coming into the courts for public worship has always been important for the people of God, and it matters for us today. I know we have a great thing, online worship. That's amazing. I'm, I'm uh, getting ready for virtual reality worship. We're going to have all these opportunities in our life. But there is a difference between what we watch online and what we do when we gather together for public worship. It's the difference between watching a game and being in the game. We need to be in the game. Strength and glory are found in his sanctuary. We want to get in the game. When you wake up Sunday morning, you say, I'm going to church. Kids, we're going to church. That's a way of declaring God's worth. He's worth it. He's worth all the glory, honor, and praise. And and I love how this passage builds. Um, proclaim Proclaim his salvation day after day. What kind of worship is God worth? Everyday worship, nonstop worship. And did you notice it starts with Israel, it goes to the nations, and then all creation sings his song. Right? This, is, this is the worship that our God de- deserves. Nonstop, continuous, global glory and praise. We began asking the question today, what is worship? Said, could you define it? Do you know why we worship? Do you know the reason We got it now. What is worship, according to Psalm 96? Worship is is our response to the greatness of God, whereby we declare his worth. Our God is great, and he is worthy of all of our praise. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to apply it right now. So will you stand as we pray? God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that you are a God worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for calling us into this room this morning to exalt you, to glorify you. Lord, help us uh, not just to give you mediocre praise, but to give you the greatest praise. We're called this morning, not just as spectators, but as participants. We join in the, 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 the cry of creation. And we know that if we keep silent, even the rocks will cry out. We love you, God. We declare your praises. You've saved us. You've healed us. You're changing our lives. You're changing our story. So we magnify your name this morning. Would you receive these songs with all of their imperfections? Because Christ paid for every one of them. He paid the price for our sins. He is our mediator. As we come to worship, all of our songs rise in the name of Jesus to the glory and worth of you, our matchless Savior and King.
love you, God. We love you. We give you our songs. We give you our stories. Help us to declare your praises, not just in this room, but in the boardroom, in the classroom, in the meeting room. You are worthy, God. In our living room. In places where we are alone, God. Let our lives declare your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.